Because it's so counterintuitive, many of the very strange effects of quantum physics make no sense in the real world. And for the scientists to describe quantum physics for me was equally difficult. I often had to feed back to them what they were trying to say to me in metaphor to see if that could explain in language what they were trying to relate through equations and mathematics. As I talked to the scientists, as they tutored me in quantum physics, what became apparent to me was that quantum physics, as it's now constructed, looks at the very, very tiny or the very, very large in terms of the universe, but doesn't look at the human element. In fact, humans are left out of quantum theory because the current view is that the human body, anything living, does not have a quantum process within it. And so I was really asking, are we quantum entities? Do quantum processes go on inside of us? Do we relate to each other with frequencies, not as separate beings? And what does that mean to our worldview? What became apparent to me in talking to these scientists was that what they were looking at and what they were discovering and what I was going to look at and try to put together was going to threaten science as we know it, which is basically Newtonian science. Everything that we believe about our world and how it works is derived from the views of Isaac Newton, which were developed in the 17th century. And these views basically paint a world that is very well behaved, that works according to very fixed rules, but that is also a world inhabited by separate objects in space and time. And from those theories about this well-behaved universe, we've constructed a worldview of the separate. We believe that we are individual and lonely beings on a lonely planet in a lonely universe. And that informs how we create our work, how we teach our children, how we live our lives. As I mentioned earlier, one of the big problems was there was no grand theory out there. I was going to have to construct it from the little pieces of the puzzle that each of these scientists offered. And it became apparent to me, as I did so, that what I was looking at was a radical new view of the world that described a completely different way of how our world works, of how we work and how we define ourselves. It came about from frontier scientists who had asked a couple of questions that were important about what hadn't been completed in quantum theory. They also asked the obvious question, why are there two kinds of physics? These days, there's the physics of the small, which is the physics of quantum physics, and the physics of the very large. That's the big observable world out there. And most physicists are content to believe that quantum particles behave one way when they're on their own as a tiny particle, but behave entirely differently as a part of a collective whole, as a big thing. So these scientists were brave enough to ask those questions. You know, can nature be this messy and redundant to have two kinds of physics? They also were looking at things like, what is consciousness? Where is it? Is it in the brain? And they wondered about our role and the role of consciousness and whether it can extend out and affect its world. And later in this program, I'll be looking at the individual contributions of these scientists.
I realized in trying to put all their material together that I was looking at a new paradigm of the universe that was underpinned by a dynamic cobweb of information encoded in an energy field that connected everything in its invisible web, and that the universe existed as a relationship. It wasn't a collection of individual things on this lonely planet and this lonely universe, but it was about things affecting other things at every moment. I also realized that we, as conscious beings, we're at the very center of this process as creators of our own universe, and that maybe there wasn't an out there anymore, that out there was all part of me, and that we were all an integral part of this information.